Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, my name is Daniel Waltz. Uh, me and my wife Katrina serve with the Way Kids. Um, this morning I'm reading First uh, Corinthians twelve four seven, and it is uh, narrow. There are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manif- manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time of worship. Father, we just come before you so needy for you to work and move in only ways that you can. So lead us in this time of worship. Lead us in this time of focusing on you and your word. And just stir our affections more for you. We thank you, Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. All right, grab your seats, grab your Bibles. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to bounce around a little bit in chapter 12, mainly. Um, but we'll be here and there, and we'll, we'll quote Scripture as we go along and display various ones that are really relevant, uh, that, man, just desire for us to sink in our hearts this morning as we go. And so we're second week of this short three-week sermon series called Give It Away. And as we see in the picture, it's this sand just falling through these fingers and just remind us we walked away from last week this time together we came away asking the question have you wasted the time that you've been given that was a big question that we took some time to walk through have you wasted the time that you've been given and today we walk through are you wasting the talents that you have been given are you wasting the talents that you've been given so if you're taking notes you can simply title this sermon talents. And here's the point. God's giving each of you certain and unique abilities, giftings, and talents. What are you doing with them? I want this to really resonate this morning, considering how God has gifted you, given you unique talents, abilities, and giftings to use. How are you using them? This is what we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. He says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person, meaning God has given unique talents and abilities to each person and spiritual gifts to each Christian to use and develop. And so it begs the question, what are the most important gifts in the life of the local church? What are the most important ones? And this is a the issue that the Corinthian church was having. And this is the context of 1 Corinthians 12. The Apostle Paul, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote this letter to the local church in Corinth. And the local church in Corinth, this Corinthian church, had gifting problems. It's not that they didn't have gifted people, but their people did not seem to have a good grasp on the gifting values of each member. They seem to be elevating selected spiritual giftings above others while relegating other spiritual giftings as if they were less than. So what are the most important spiritual gifts? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul seemingly answers, yes. Which ones are most important? Yes. They all are important and they all are needed to be used. We see in 1 Corinthians 12 that the Apostle Paul 
gives this picture of the local church being like a body, specifically the body of Christ. And in verses 14 and 15, he says, Indeed, the body is not one, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less part of the body. He says in verse 18, but as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted. So what are you saying there? Just because you're not this or that, you're all needed and valued and need to be a functioning member of the part of the body. The local church was meant to be a, made up of members, parts of the body participating in the movement of the church. Members of the body serving in the movement of the body. And we know this to be true. I mean, think about if you lose a certain member of your own body, how you won't function nearly at the, high, the, the capacity that you were meant to. Like I was thinking about my own boys, and if they were to come up here, and I was have one just run across the stage, but they'd love to run in church, they do anyway. My little four-year-olds all over the place, watch them out to worship, but they run all over the place. It's always slow down, slow down, but if I were to have them come up here and say, just run as fast as you can, he would love that, number one, and he would do that, right? He would run as fast as he can, but then I would say, hey man, hold one leg and now try to run as fast as you can. He'd probably hop, right? Hop pretty good and he has plenty of energy, so he'd probably hop for hours. But if I'd ask him, now hold both your legs and run as fast as you can. That's just silly, right? The point is, we need the members of our body to function well as a body. And so before the Apostle Paul kicks off this large section of this letter devoted to the right view and the right use of each member's spiritual giftings, he first writes what we see in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says this, he says, Now concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. In other words, be aware, as verse 4 says, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. Be aware that there are different ministries, but the same Lord, as verse 5 says. And as verse 6 says, be aware that there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. So all are to be equally used, and all are equally needed. This past week, we, our subject director and student ministry director, Bobby and Luke and our wives, we went to... Uh, local conference of um, our cooperations, 800 or so churches, this gathering, and went to various sessions and breakout sessions, and it's interesting that the terminology, terminology that's used uh, among staff, usually positions, and they talk to like different like pastors or, or associate pastors or student ministry leaders or directors and these different things, like I'm over this person, this person is under this person, and like, there's a hierarchy. And it's interesting to me that how our corporate mindset often creeps into the church. And it makes this less than feeling amongst the church. And really, as Bobby and I spoke later, it really uh, made me uneasy, to be honest. Because they're just different giftings. They're different responsibilities. It's not less than or over than. They're different and all needed 
to function within the harmony of the body. We heard from some church planters, these, these pastors that are being sent out by the local churches to start a new church. And so these two pastors were going to co-pastor this church, and they had one well-intended person ask them, so who's going to lead? And their response was like, we are. No, I get that, but like, who's going to be like, in charge, the senior pastor? We are. We're, we're doing it. Here's a little your face. So on each football team, there's a quarterback. Who's the quarterback? And one of the pastors like that. You're right. That'd be great if we were starting a football team. We're starting a church. But isn't that the mentality we come through? We, we go more culturally than Christian in the life of our church. This is what Paul's battling in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14 is that they're all giftings that were all needed to be used and developed for the life of the body. And so within our church leadership, we use this terminology, it's the why behind the what. So we always focus on the what we're supposed to do. You do this, do this, do that, do this. But we need to slow down sometimes and say, why do we do those things? The why matters a whole lot. So the why behind the what. And so when we're talking here, why has God chosen to arrange the church in the way he has? And why are we to use the gift that he's given to give away? Why matters a whole lot. Because we could just focus on the what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do this and that and this and that. And miss the why, which is the motivating factor. So let me give you three whys we are to use our gifts that God has given us to give away in serving. So why, number one? We're to use our gifts for God's glory. God's given you to use gifts for his glory. That's what 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 says. We're going to put that on the screen. So again, I want you to see this. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. It says, Just as each one of us has received a gift, Use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. So primarily, God has given us gifts to use to serve others for his glory. And really, that should be good enough, right? Let's just be honest. But we're going to continue because we got some time, right? You came here, might as well go through some things. So number one, God's given us gifts to use for his glory. Number two, God's given us gifts to use for building up the body. God's given us gifts to use for building up the body. Remember, the body meaning the local church. In three different ways. One, building up the body in a way that breeds ministry. Building up the body that brings unity. And building up the body that blossoms maturity. In case you're wondering, I just didn't make them up and try to make them sound nice. It's Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, again, we're going to show this, verses 11 through 13. says, And he himself gave him some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints. Let me pause there real quick. Because some of us, May have Catholic grandmas that have a different view of saints, right? Saints is a biblical term for every Christian. Good there? It's not super saints. Every Christian, saints. To equip the saints for the work 
of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing in maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. So we're to use our gifts for God's glory and to build up the body. The church needs you to serve in using your giftedness. And this serve is ongoing, not a one-time showing. Does that make sense? Continue to serve. Continue to use your giftedness in the way God's given you. It's interesting, when uh, the previous church, our, our sending church, we served as uh, the youth pastor before they sent us to what we now see as the way church. Just came on staff. They brought me on staff as a youth pastor and pretty new there. Uh, they had gone some time without a youth pastor. And so I was in this meeting with various ministry leaders and church members talking about calendaring for the next year. Exciting meetings like that, right? Calendaring. And they're talking about all these good ideas that we should do and should consider. And the youth ministry got brought up and someone said, you know, we should do this and that. And they were talking to me and I said, it sounds great. I'll, I'll see if I can get someone to, to head those things up. And the response was, well, that's why we brought you here. Can I just say that's a flawed view of giftings and staffings? I was thinking about this because God's blessed us in the way that we've been able to bring on some new staff members to help in ministry. But it's a reminder that the staff doesn't do all the ministry. They're to help with the work of ministry. We do the ministry. Does that make sense? Are we tracking there? There's just an unhealthiness that's come. Like, we pay you, so you do everything. That's not the way it works. And if that's your mentality, you're not going to be very happy here. Because we need one another to equip the saints of the work of ministry. I'll take it a step further. Cause I, just church experience shapes you, right? And I've been around church long enough that people have a lot of good ideas and they bring a lot of good ideas to the church leadership and say, we should do this, meaning I have this idea, you should do it, right? And maybe, let's just say maybe, but mostly God's given you passions as ours, we'll talk about in a minute, for you to do. But I see the church's role, and our church specifically, how do we equip you to do that? I've heard it said like Home Depot. Like if I have a sink problem, I don't go to Home Depot to get them to fix my sink. I go to Home Depot to get some resources, tool, and probably ask them for some help, some guidance. And then I go home and attempt to fix my sink, and then I call a plumber because I can't fix my sink. You know what I mean? That's the way it works. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. As we think about giftings, God's always given spiritual gifts for the good of the group, not for the pride of the person. And that's huge when we think about how God's gifted us. It's never to elevate yourself. It's always to use for the good of those around us. And then thirdly, the why behind the what God's given us gifts, as a follower who is called to obey. It's obedience. It's funny, I, I look at Jesus' life, and if I knew my life was about to end and I had some time to do some things, there's a whole list of things I'd want to do before I died, right? What's not on that list is washing feet. Just not on mine. Maybe on yours. God bless your ministry. Not mine, right? But it's interesting. That's exactly what Jesus did. On the night that he would be betrayed, he gathers his disciples, one for the Passover meal, but also he started washing feet. He says this in John 13, 
He says, so if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I've done for you. Giving you an example. Just live the example for us to follow. When he invites you to follow me, it means to follow him. This is life following Jesus is actually doing what he's shown us to do and doing what he told us to do. But obedience shouldn't be a grind. It should be a joyful obedience because we love the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And he died for all those who live so that they should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. This is our life, following Jesus. We now live for him out of joy because of what he did for us. And this is the good news of the gospel. Like every person of all time, God has created them remarkably and wonderfully made. Despite the choices they made, made they were made in his image. We are made in his image. Created to enjoy the relationship with God. This is hugely important. Because this brings worth and value to your life that's above what you may think or hear. God has created you just as you are. And yet we have this sin problem that's just messed up and disrupted everything and messed up our own relationship with the Lord. It's to make things worse. You can't do enough good works, good deeds to make up for the sin that we have in our lives. And so that's why Jesus, God stepped out of heaven, Jesus lived a perfect life that we were called to live but can't. To pay the price that we were to pay, the debt that we owed because of our sin that we can't pay. That sin, that sin debt is death. So he died for us so that we wouldn't have to and have the life to live with him in connection with him, restored by faith alone. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, meaning paid in full. It was stamped on tax collection receipts in Jesus' day. When someone owed a debt and it was paid in full, it would say tetelestai, means paid in full. So when he says it is finished on the cross, he means everyone who comes to him by faith alone, saying somehow, some way, I don't understand it all, but I know that you paid the price for my sin so I can come from being dead in my sins and trespasses to alive in Christ Jesus. I want you. I need you. Jesus, help me. He says, yes, your sin debt has now been taken, paid in full. Freedom in Christ Jesus. Jesus says in Mark 10, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Paying the price for you to be bought back to him. So my question for us to consider is that, do we adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus? I think more often than not, we adopt this anti-Jesus type attitude. More of, we've come to be served, not to serve. And I'm using we as a bigger C sense, a bigger church sense. Because I'm just being honest, man, our church, God has really blessed our church with people who serve. Unlike any church I've ever experienced or seen, y'all are great at serving. But we got to watch this consumeristic mentality that creeps in. 
We've come to be served, not to serve. Because it's not a Christian mindset. I mean, we know the value of serving. For example, let's do this. Think about our kids, right? This next generation. While raising hands, who would say that they need Jesus? Okay? So you can keep your hands up. Who would say that our kids are being constantly bombarded by this anti-Jesus agenda? All right. Keep your hands up. They get tired. You can switch them. It's all right. We're getting our workout in this morning. Who would say that our kids need to be discipled to help them follow Jesus by faith better? All right. Keep your hands up high. All right. Melanie, look around. Start taking notes. You see your kids' ministry team. All right? Now you can lower them. But that's just it. We see this value for this specific way of seeing our kids need to be ministered to. We know that. And it's interesting that that ministry, I just point out, because it's largely the most difficult ministry to find help in. Isn't that interesting? And we, we know the value of it. That's why I joke with Melanie, our, our newest uh, kids ministry director. It's hard to find people to help in kids ministry. And just to be honest, not everyone's gifted in that way, for sure, right? Some of you should not be working with kids. I know that. But find somewhere else. Find somewhere else to serve. I mean, some of you can serve in hospitality. Some of you shouldn't. Some of you have the joy deep, deep down in your heart. You need to tell your face. You know what I'm saying? Some of you could serve just by serving. There's areas to serve. I mean, the setup team, there's always places to serve, especially in the life of this church. Plenty of opportunities. I'm getting ahead of myself. But we know, we see here, but we know that we have been gifted for ministry. There's, God's given the gift of ministry, activities, giftings for each Christian, and we know it's good in the life of the local church. So why do so many Christians choose not to use their giftedness in serving? I'm convinced there's two reasons. Number one, we're largely unaware of the why that we need to serve. Well, we just erased that one because I just gave you three of them, right? God's glory built the body and to obey. So now you know a few reasons, if that's not enough, of why you are needed to use your gifts in serving. But reason number two is I'm convinced that many people are unaware of what their giftings are, what giftings they have. I wonder if that's you. Do you know how God has gifted you? 1 Corinthians 12, 1 again says, not concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be unaware. So I want you, I want to talk about three ways to become more aware, aware of how God has gifted you. This is vitally important because, man, you want to start growing and thriving in your relationship with Jesus, start using your gifts in service. So let me give you three. I'm going to explain each of them. It's going to be, number one, it's going to be educate, explore, exercise. All right? So first one, how do you become more aware? Educate. Educate yourselves on the giftings, listings in the Bible. It's a great place to start, right? God's Word. I think he has some things to say about how we've been gifted by the person that gave us the Bible, Bible God himself. So we're going to throw, throw four passages on the, on the TV for us to see. Because, again, I want us to see these things and start considering these gifting listings and see how maybe God has gifted you. So the first one we're going to see is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 and 10. 
or 8 through 10. It says, To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, by one Spirit, to another performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kind of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. And to this, we always get Baptists who get nervous and Charismatics that get excited, right? There's this tension in the room. Start talking about tongues and healings and it's in the Bible. And just to be clear, we are continuationists, meaning these gifts are still alive and well. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, desire spiritual gifts. So it's good to desire spiritual gifts in the right way. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, there's another listing. It says, God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, leading, and various kinds of tongues. See a couple listings there? Let me give you another one. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. And again, just a note. Like if you're taking notes, which is super helpful, um, and you can't keep up, which is fine. I do talk fast. I'm from California. I've been accused of that my whole life. We send these sermon notes out in our weekly way update emails. So they're available for anyone who wants them. Romans 12 6 through 8 says, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching and teaching and exhorting and exhortation and giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. It's interesting that of all these, probably the least attractive one is service. It means, can you do something? Are you gifted, just want to do something? I may not be good at something, but do something. That's me every Sunday morning. The AV team, I try to help them. They say, Josh, just stay out of the way, right? Because I know nothing about AV, but I can put speakers up. I just want to do something. Maybe that's you. I don't know where I'm gifted, but I want to do something. Start doing something. Ephesians 4 is the last list that we're just going to look at quickly. Verse 11. We saw it earlier. And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. So these are a few quick listings that just help us to consider maybe how God has gifted you. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. This is a good thing. God's gifting you just the way he wanted to gift you. And so use your giftings and thrive in them because that's what God's gifted you because he wanted to give you those things. So educate yourself on the biblical giftings listings and educate yourself on your giftings that are natural. This is something I think is often overlooked. Our natural gifting, just basically how you were wired. There's a couple, there's a myth that goes around that you, if you have certain natural abilities, you'll be very aware of them. That's, it's a myth because I've seen that many times we aren't really aware of them. And so it's helpful, like Christian, if you see someone who's just gifted in a specific way, and share that with them. Tell them how appreciative you are of them in these ways. I just see you're super energetic and happy in the morning, so welcoming. What a blessing it is. I mean, I've seen you have, you're great at communicating. You're a great teacher. 
Like, encourage the gifts that you see in other believers' lives. It's helpful. Because I think we assume that everybody knows how they're gifted, and it's just not, not true. On the flip side, if you're not aware of how you've been gifted, elicit that information from others. Ask. From trusted Christian brothers and sisters, just say, you know, I'm really unsure how God's gifted me. I know, because the Bible says it, I've been gifted. What do you see in my life? How would you say that I've been gifted? Ask this question. What is something you're just naturally good at? Just naturally good at? Or naturally have a heart for? It's taken me years to see this, and I have a natural bent towards being a right fighter, which is not very helpful as a young teenager, to be honest, right? I'm trying to prove everybody wrong. That's what my passion was. But it's been very helpful now because I stand for the truth. I want to see truth. That's my passion. I don't like lies. I don't like deception. I want to see truth. It's a pretty good thing to have, as God called me to be a pastor. And the second, I, from a very young age, I've always been, and it sounds more noble than what I mean to, to be. I don't know how else to phrase it. But really a defender of the weak. It was, in elementary school, it was probably my first awareness of this, because I don't even know until this day why I would do such a thing, besides God's greatest heart in me. There's an older kid, I guess I was probably in third grade, I think he was in fifth grade, I can't really remember, but he was picking on another kid in the playground. So I felt obligated to go and stand up for this kid that was being picked on. Well, moments later, I found myself in the principal's office with a bloody nose and crying, right? Got punched in the face. Why in the world would I do that? I didn't know the kid, I just saw a wrongness and felt I needed to do something. Nobody taught me that. There's something God ingrained in me from an early age. Again, not trying to be more noble, noble than what it sounds like, just ways God's wired me. How's God wired you? These natural desires and giftings and talents that he's given you. So we begin to educate ourselves on the biblical understanding of giftings and this natural way that God's wired you. Number two, then explore them. Think about this. If you can do anything in the world for the Lord, what would it be? Have you just considered that? If you could do anything in the world for the Lord, what would it be? Or what would those things be? So start exploring these desires. You have desires that are God-given. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. God has given us passions to accomplish his purposes. Philippians 2 verse 13 says, For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. So start exploring these passions, exploring desires, even exploring meeting needs that you see need to be met that aren't. I think this is how God really started stirring in me. I guess it was probably about 2005. Rachel, you may have to correct me because your timing is a lot better than mine. About 2005, we're a part of this serving at this, this church plant in Virginia Beach. And my current position, I was the uh, full-time firefighting. So I was a firefighter full-time. So my schedule, every other Sunday, I was at work. Every other Sunday, I was at church. And so this is well before, long before live streaming or any kind of technology for distance communication like that. And so uh, we had phones. And so Rachel would speakerphone the sermon in while I was at work every other Sunday. And so I started seeing, well, man, I had other Christians that I worked with that were in the same boat. And so 
why not have a Bible study? So I just started a Bible study because there was a need and I wanted to. So then we started having a Bible study, and that little Bible study grew, and it was pretty amazing. So what I did, I didn't have any Bibles. I had these people come, and they didn't have any Bibles. And so I went to our pastors and said, hey, listen, I started this little Bible study thing, and do you guys have any Bibles? So they gave me some Bibles, but what they did, they saw God working in me in ways I didn't even know. I was just doing a thing. Not because I was good at it. I just saw a good thing, so I did it. And so they started discipling me. They paid for my seminary which I had no intention to do anything with. I just like learning about the Bible. And that seminary degree, 10 years later, would open doors for what God would have for me next, calling me to lead the fire profession into full-time pastoral ministry. So what I'm saying is be careful what you start, right? That's amazing. I just saw a need and started doing something. What are some needs are around you that God's calling you to, to start what would your friends say that you're passionate about or interested in? And again, what is, if you can do anything in the world for the Lord, what, what would that thing be? So begin exploring these passions and desires. And thirdly and lastly, exercise. So educate, explore, then exercise. Exercise your giftings. Listen, giftings are like muscles. They only get stronger if you exercise them. Luke isn't here, because I'll, so I'll pick him on a little bit. Our student ministry leader, Luke, if you don't know him, Luke is jacked. That guy, I mean, like, he is built, and he works at it. He's the only person I've ever known personally that actually goes to weightlifting competitions just to show other people that he's stronger than they are, right? So what do you do. I love Luke because at, at these competitions, he's wearing shirts. You know, he has tattoos that all point to God's glory, right? So as he's lifting, he has this shirt that says, audience of one. But he's developing his muscles, but you have to work at it. It's the same with giftings. There's a myth that... Seems to be like, if I have a gifting, it'll be fully recognized and full maturity and awesome. I'm going to be awesome immediately. And that's just not the way giftings work. Your giftings need to be used, as we've seen in 1 Peter 4, but they also need to be developed. And the only way you develop your giftings is to start using your giftings. Like, I like to think I have a gift of teaching, and you may or disagree. Just keep that to yourself. I appreciate that. My pride won't let me uh, tolerate the feedback. My first sermon was, I guess it was 2007. Is that right? 2007? We'll say that. What's crazy is that just we're at another church plant. It's interesting how God places in church plants, not, anyway, along our path. But the pastor, again, different church plant, this is down in Georgia, and asked me if I wanted to, to give a sermon. I guess he needed a Sunday off. I don't know why. I never preached a sermon before in my life. Uh, so I said, Sure. And I did. And interestingly enough, it was, it was a Father's Day sermon. And the week prior, my dad died. And so here my dad died. And I already knew I was preaching a Father's Day sermon. So just imagine what that was like. And I don't know how it was. That could have been just, I, I, imagine, I, have some, I imagine it wasn't awesome. But I did something. Again, I didn't do it because, man, I am going to kill this thing. My teaching abilities are amazing. No, it's, pastors asked me, and I was, Felt like I could, so I did. I say that because over the years, and I'm still working at my communication, and some of you might say, amen, right? I, I understand. We're getting there. Thanks for your patience. But my communication has gotten better by God's grace, but it's taken time to work at it. And believe it or not, I put a lot of work in this. The reason I'm saying that 
is your gifts need to be used and exercised to be developed. You got to use them. So don't get discouraged when you feel like you have this gifting, but just not very good at it. (laughs) Use and develop them. And the last myth under this exercise in your gifts is that serving will never feel like working and always feel like worshiping. Can I say that's a myth? I think Romans 12.1 points to this. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in the view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. This word sacrifice sticks out to me. Sacrifice to me doesn't sound like kittens and cotton candies and coffee, those things that spark joy. Coffee doesn't spark joy for you. It's all right. Still time to repent and turn to Jesus. It sounds like work. And this is a biblical concept. Serving is working. You saw in Ephesians 4.12 to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship creating Christ Jesus for good works. But yeah, even when the work of ministry feels like work, it can also feel like worship. If your heart posture is in the right place. And that's key. Yes, it can feel like work sometimes, but also that work, the grind of ministry. Talk to our setup team who sets up and tears down every single Sunday. There's a grind to serving. And it can feel like working, but it can also feel like worship when your heart is in the right place. And this is what Colossians 3, verse 23 points to. It says, whatever you do, do it for, from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Whatever you do, that's a lot of stuff. But that's a heart posture changer, a perspective shifter. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as for the Lord. And there's a, so again, our sending church, and maybe it's the last story today I'll share about our sending church, but they do this big Christmas drama called Bethlehem Walk, which is starting up in a week and a half, right down the road in Goochland. Bethlehem Walk. And so it's a big walk-through nativity story from the birth of Jesus to his resurrection. It's amazing. Done well. A huge production. Done very well. And so we have some camel, uh, some, some animals, and we have a camel. And so the church ended up buying this camel instead of renting it to, to save money. And so they got this corral for this camel. And so now it's the church's responsibility to take care of the camel, to feed the camel, to clean up after the camel. And so I didn't realize this when I came on staff at our church that other duties assigned as a sign meant picking up camel poop. I didn't realize that. I came to find that out. I'm going to tell you, that felt like work. That didn't feel very joy. I wasn't singing worship songs as I was shoveling camel poop. I just wasn't doing it. Yet, it was for the work of ministry. And I was doing it for God's glory because through Bethlehem Walk, 10 to 12,000 people come through and many, many people come to faith. And they love the camel. So I fed and shoveled camel poop. But it's noteworthy that my pastor did too. It's noteworthy. There shouldn't be a ministry beneath you. So as we just wrap this thing up, I want to go back to the question that just I posed at, at the outset. God's given you different gifts, abilities, and talents. What are you doing with them? 
Let me give you two responses, and I'll close with a third. Number one, it's good to desire God-given giftings. It's good to desire those God-given giftings. You know, we have 1 Corinthians 12 that we just kind of touched on, followed by 1 Corinthians 13 and 1 Corinthians 14. Gus Dragon, that's how that works, 12, 13, 14. took me a long time to realize that. Chapter 14 also talks about all spiritual giftings. You got 13 sandwiched right in the middle of these two chapters, which we usually call the marriage chapter, right? All weddings, you'll hear 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, love is doesn't envy, is not boastful, is not rude, is not self-seeking. Praise God, all those things. But really, Paul's continuing his thoughts, and yes, that should be in a marriage for sure, but he's continuing his thought about how you use spiritual giftings. It all should be motivated by love. If you're using prophecy, speaking in tongues, if you're generous, but it's not motivated by love, it's worthless. In 1 Corinthians 14, Verse 1, he says, pursue love and desire spiritual giftings. So it's good to desire spiritual giftings out of an overflow of your love for God and love for others because that's how they're used. So desire those and seek God for them. And number two, do something and keep doing something for the Lord. Try something. You may not know where God's called you to serve, gifted you to serve, but try something. And then as you're in the middle of something, you may realize this isn't something I'm called to and do something else. Try something. Galatians 6, 9 through 10 says, Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, we, as we have the opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. So get involved in the ministry that God's called each of us to, using our gifts. Finally, I'll close with this. I'll go and invite our, our band back up because we're going to close and we'll have a response and we'll worship. And so if our band wants to come back up, they can make a way back up here. But in Matthew 25, Jesus gives us a couple parables regarding the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. And he says, Kingdom of God is like this. The master gives his servants some talents. One five, one two, and one he gave one. And he goes away. And after a time, the master comes back and asks his servants, what did you do with the talents I gave you? And the one that had five said, look at master, I now have five more. I doubled what you gave me. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. He goes to the servant that has two talents and he says, Master, I've, I've taken the two and made you two more. I've doubled what you've given me. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. These servants were faithful and worked and multiplied what their master gave him. And he goes to the servant he gave one talent to. And the servant comes back and says, Master, I have this one. And I went and buried it in a hole and saved it. So when you come back here, here's your one talent that you gave me back. He did nothing with it. Wasted. And the master's response, he says, you evil, lazy servant. 
It's just a hard word if you think about it. God's given us talents. God's given us abilities to use them for his glory and for the good of others. But we use them out of a faith in him. And I don't know about you, but one day I just want to stand before the Lord and to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And notice it doesn't say fruitful. It's not what you did. It's how faithful you've been. So my encouragement for you and for us this morning is to stay faithful and start doing something for the Lord's glory. And just see what he might do with that. And if you're in here and this doesn't make sense, and you're like, I, I just don't know. And I only know if I have the relationship with the Lord that I've been called to have. Let me also invite you to respond to God's drawing and calling in your life. He's created you to know him and to be known by him. And the only way you can do that is through what he's done for you on the cross. Jesus paying the price for your sin so that you could live with him. Everyone who believes has eternal life. No matter what you've gone through, been through, or going through, you cannot sin God's grace. You're never too far to receive his love for you by faith alone. So if that's you, for the first time, you're like, you know, I've known a lot about Jesus, but now I see I need Jesus. I want Jesus. I don't understand it all, but I want to put my faith in Jesus. That's time for you to respond at this time. We're going to have a prayer team to the side. We'd love to pray with you, pray for you, walk alongside you. Through faith, God's calling you to be baptized. That's your next step as a believer. Whatever God's calling you to do, how do I get plugged in? We'd love to get you connected there. But respond to what God's doing. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to respond. And your response can look various ways. We're going to stand and sing a worship song. And so if your response to God is God's leading to stand and sing, do that. But maybe God's calling you just to remain sitting and praying and doing some settling that God's laying on your heart. Maybe some things that God's weighing on you and working on you. Do that. Pray with a few people around you if that's how God leads. Just be obedient to what he's calling you to do in this time. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for bringing us to this place. We thank you for just all that you have done and are doing in our lives. We thank you for the joy it is to know you and to be known by you. We thank you for just the giftings that you have given us, Lord, how you have made us in your image remarkably and wonderfully made from the womb, that we have value and worth in your eyes. That you have given us a new identity. Those who are in Christ Jesus have a new identity, been born again, and now are called children of God. Let that just resonate in our minds and our hearts. Let those truths just wash over us and bring encouragement by your Holy Spirit, knowing who we are and whose we are. Knowing how much you love us and that while we're still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. And this is the truth that we have been bought back and set free from the bondage of sin and death to life, eternity with Christ. And Lord, as we talk about serving and, and working, Father, I just pray that you just create a heart in us to desire to serve in ways to give you glory out of a heart of love for you. Let that be our joy. Let that be our compulsion. Let that be the, what compels us is to serve for your glory and for the good of many. And Lord, help us just to put our yes on the table and to trust you with our lives, the giftings, everything that you've given us. Multiply those things. And we look forward to the day that we stand before you and hear the words, well done, 
my good and faithful servant. We thank you, Father. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.